You love it? Oh, do I love it? <laughs> you see why we love it? Okay. <laughs> Gotta watch the F. Moose, you have to watch the F bombs. Okay, coming down in three. Polly, feel free to use any of that in the cold opening that you can. F bombs are fine. F bombs are fine. No, well, the kids listen. Okay, coming down in three, two. Nobody has a handle on the league like these two hockey heads. Mike Farwell, Chris Pope, your number one authorities on the OHL. This is the Farwell and Pope podcast. Well, Farzi, we are recording this podcast uh, in front of some ripped drapery here in North Bay as our bus driver, Mike Moose Reeves, is our live audience. We are recording this from the road after a Thursday night game in North Bay, knowing full well that we have to get to Sault Ste. Marie for a game in less than 24 hours from when we're speaking. And Mike Moose Reeves, the bus driver, says, I I never sleep. I'll close my eyes for three hours. I'm good to go. This is the man in whose hands we place our lives on these trips. Yeah, he's driving tomorrow. He says we're safe as a church. (laughs) If you hear a voice in the background throughout this podcast, it is Moose who's having a a late night nightcap with us uh, as we get set to take off to Sault Ste. Marie tomorrow. So it's, it's funny you talk about the nightcap. Because I've had this idea for a while, and I think it would be neat if for our live guests on the podcast, when they come into the studio, which we're not in, we're in a Best Western in North Bay right now recording this, but when we have live guests in the studio, wouldn't it be interesting to have, because we're hosting them, to have drinks available? And they can choose. They can choose from bottled water, bottle of pop, Maybe a bottle of whiskey, nice scotch, right? Or they can have a beer handy. And it would be up to them which one they would like to choose. And then based on the sound that shows up on the recording, we'd know which option they selected, if they so chose. I don't know. I like the idea, taking that a little further and uh, echoing one of the great comedians of all time, Jerry Seinfeld, in choosing a drink... That resembles our guest. And we all enjoy one like he does with comedians in cars getting coffee. That's not a bad idea. I I had to bring this up tonight because I can't help but think of being on the road. And, and forgive me if I've told this story before. But I wanted... It makes me think about traveling with Don Cameron. A Don Cameron story is <laughs> always welcome live or on the Farwell and Pope podcast. I think I may have told the story before. But I know I didn't tell... The second part of it, if I can call it that. So I'm going to add some some color to it this time around. For those that don't know the name Don Cameron, I mean, he is basically synonymous with OHL play-by-play. Broadcast more than 4,000 hockey games, which I do believe is actually a legitimate record in at any level of any hockey broadcasting. But anyway, Don broadcast Kitchener Rangers games for more than 50 years, 4,000-plus games. And I had the chance to travel with him towards the end of his career when we were broadcast partners. And so the very first road trip we went on is when I learned that these beverages, which all three of us in this room right now are enjoying, were part of the road trip experience. I was working at the time 
at Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto, doing morning shows. And we had a road trip that started on a Thursday night in Barrie. And then after the game in Barrie, we had to head up to Sudbury for a game on Friday night. And then we caught somebody else on the Sunday on the way home. But anyway, or maybe that was the end of the trip. Either way, we went Barrie to Sudbury. And so I, I was getting up at 2.30 in the morning to go in from Kitchener to Toronto for the morning show on the fan and then get back home to catch the bus from the odd with the Kitchener Rangers to go up to Barrie. Don't feel bad for me. My own personal choice. Whatever. Life was great. Love and life. This is the very first road trip I'm taking with Don. So my biggest fear is don't be late because you got to get from Kitchener to Toronto back to Kitchener again and all of this stuff. Do all of that. Play the game in Barrie. Hop on the bus. Go up to Sudbury. And by the time we're getting into Sudbury, it's like 2 in the morning. And I am just... I'm bagged. I can't wait to go to sleep. And I kid you not, as the hotel room door was closing, Don went in first. It was almost like one motion where his bag was on the bed. It was being unzipped and he stacks up the beers on the dresser. He says, feel free to have one if you want to. And that's when I realized that this is part of the road trip ritual. So I was doing the fan thing for a couple of years, traveling with Don, doing these things. And, and some nights I was far more tired than others, but who says no to a beer with Don Cameron? 55 years broadcasting, 4,000 plus games. The man knows what he's doing, and you don't say no to a beer with the guy. And a gentleman we both grew up listening to. Love the guy, and I think a lot of people would have heard him. In fact, we're going to be in Sault Ste. Marie tomorrow night, and Spanky... Forgive me for forgetting his, I think it's Warren. I'm so terrible at that. <laughs> anyway, everybody knows him as Spanky. Insists, <laughs> I think Spanky gets into the wacky tobacco sometimes, to be honest with you. But he insists he would hear over the air, not on the internet, but over the air, 570 AM out of Kitchener, broadcasting Kitchener Rangers games while he was sitting up by his lake in Sault Ste. Marie. That's what Spank says. I'll take him at his word. Anyway, Don's well-known in OHL circles. And so there you are. You're having these opportunities. And some nights it was just, I was not, I was, I was more tired than others. So usually it was a two beer minimum. Some nights it got even further. But here's the extra part of the story that I may have not told before. Because I, I always remember that first trip. And I think I've told that story where Don just made it clear that you get to the destination and this is what you do. You recap the trip, recap the game. You sit around and talk about life. Of and, course, it's the one, it's the one positive of the five hour bus ride that, well, there's a beer waiting at the end for me. Exactly it. So when I would be more tired than other times, I'm like, you know what, Don, I got to be honest with you. I'm one and done tonight. I just want to let you know ahead of time because sometimes he'd stay up hours after me watching golf reruns on TV and drinking his beers, whatever, seeing the same highlight package over and over again. I think we've already seen these highlights. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. Anyway, when I would say I'm one and done, he would say to me, that's that's okay, Gary. And that was a shot at his previous broadcast partner, Gary Doyle. I'm sorry to throw it under the bus, Doyle, but this is how it went because I guess Gary would never drink with them. So it was great that I would actually have a beer with Don, but if I only had one, that's okay, Gary, he would say to me. Frick, I miss that man. I miss him. He probably liked it, though, because then it just meant more beers for him because you've told me stories, and I don't... I'm sorry if I'm telling uh, tales out of school, but there'd be a couple extra cans lined up afterwards than when you went to bed because Don would make sure that he wanted to finish watching those highlight packages just maybe one more time. True as the day is long, and this is the last story I'll tell because we've got so much to get into in this podcast. But the one night, he says, yeah, 
I'm just going to stay up for one more. I'm like, of course you are. And I don't blame you. Of course you will. I'm one and done. He's staying up for one more. So he just opened his second beer, as I said. Lights out for me. Next morning when I got up, there were six empty beer cans on the top of the dresser. I had one of them. Don drank the next five. And four of them were on his own after I had called it a night. Quick question, though. Did he miss breakfast? Never missed breakfast. I... Now, someday I will tell the story of the Kingston trip. Well, real quick. Bottom line is, one of the players came up to me and said, Farwell, you look like you got hit by a truck last night. I probably felt like I had been hit by a truck the night before. And Don beat me to breakfast, was sitting there reading his newspaper, drinking his coffee by the time I got there. And he drank as much, if not more, than me. And if you don't know this about Don, he was 40 years my senior. The man was a legend in so many respects. Couldn't have put it any better. Uh, we could probably do an entire podcast on Don's stories, and I could just pick your brain. But there is a lot to get through. We have news breaking an hour before we recorded this podcast about a Ryan Merkley trade. We have Stan Butler, one of the longest-tenured head coaches in the CHL. We have uh, a newly minted Kitchener Ranger captain coming and we also have something called new to the podcast called two-line pass we're going to run the gauntlet through the 20 teams in the Ontario Hockey League and each give you two lines on uh, on each team it came to fruition when we were talking about I had somebody who uh, listens to the podcast regularly says you need to start talking about other teams other than Kitchener I want to know about everything around the Ontario Hockey League and what better two minds than you and I I'm so stoked for this two-line pass idea. Not only do I think the I, the name of it is fantastic, two lines on each team, but we do get to go see every single team, right? Yes, while we are the home broadcasters of the Kitchener Rangers, we see every other team in this league more than once a season. I think it's great. I can't wait to do it. And we're going to get to that later. And on the Stan Butler front, you talk about one of the longest tenured coaches in the CHL, but Stan has a reputation at this point of his career. Sometimes he's a little more standoffish than other times. This was one of those times where you, we caught Stan at the right time in the right moment, and it was one of the most casual chats. And how do you go from a story about the dog that's hanging around the dressing room to going to Sidney Crosby's Stanley Cup parties? You'll find out when we hear from Stan later in this podcast. It's amazing. And I promise you... With all that, we will get to two-line pass, but a nice little segue here to a person that has only seen two lines, the red one and the offensive line. What? Shots fired. In Ryan Merkley, and of course he goes to where 90% of people thought he would go, and that is the London Knights. The thing that gets me here, Mike, and someone brought it up on Twitter tonight on the way back from the rink, is that he is now going to a team coached by Dale Hunter, despite not being invited to World Junior Camp, who's coached by Dale Hunter. Are you trying to say that means that Ryan Merkley may end up on Team Canada? He certainly has an opportunity to show that he should be on that team. Will he be? I don't believe so. His talent, he was a first-rounder to San Jose. Former Rangers coaches, we, we all know the link between San Jose and Kitchener, Pete DeBoer and Steve Spott. I just he's a, and he's a first round talent. When he went, I was shocked. Everybody was asking me about the draft because I follow junior hockey so much, and I said he's a first round talent, but he's not doesn't have a first round talent brain. He doesn't. And 
there's a lot to knock about the kid, but there's a lot to love about the kid. This move to me is his last opportunity in this league and maybe in the pro ranks. I don't know how he um, how he acted in in San Jose, but I talked to a former player on that Sharks team, and he said that won't fly in that dressing room like he'll be called out immediately but he's been called out before at the junior ranks and it hasn't changed anything he's been called out by senior players he's been called out by head coaches he's been called out by general managers he's been called out by trainers it hasn't changed anything does the fact that joe thornton is now calling you out does that make a difference does the thought that brent burns is calling you out eric carlson's calling out does that make a difference i don't know what i hope for him because he's so good you see that offensive side from him and the puck movement, the, the feet work. He's so smart. He sees the game really well. Can an experience up there with those players that I've mentioned and the likes of everyone else on San Jose, can that be the thing to set him straight and now go to London under Dale Hunter, who isn't going to take, and pardon my language, isn't going to take any shit? Is, that, is this now his opportunity to uh, prove all his naysayers wrong? I think it's the latter in this case. I'm not sure he spent enough time, as much time as he did spend with San Jose before this trade happens and he comes back to the Ontario Hockey League with the London Knights. But I I, I think it's all up to Dale Hunter now. And that's why in the trade, and and you you have to really take a breath when you see that the trade as advertised as we record this podcast was for a third round pick and two quote unquote high value conditional picks that's a steal for a talent like ryan merkley having said that there is not a single person i've spoken to and that includes on the road trip that we just left on 24 hours ago there's not a single person that i've spoken to that has said they would have gambled on ryan merkley in the first round in the national hockey league talent absolutely but they would not have they would not have put a first round pick on him because he's that much of a risk when it comes to whatever is going on with the kid's personality whatever's in between his ears and i don't know ryan merkley personally but the the stories follow him wherever he goes the baggage seems to come with him wherever he goes if anybody can straighten him out it's probably going to be dale hunter in london and when we look at the price paid a third rounder and two conditional high-value picks at some point. Whatever those conditions are, we don't know. What high-value means, we're not sure. You look at what Ryan Merkley was traded for from Guelph to Peterborough, and the Peets sent two seconds, two-thirds, a fourth, and Pavel Gogolev. Now, because of conditions on those picks, it's likely that three of those picks stay in Peterborough anyway. I don't know all the conditions, but it was probably two picks in Gogolev, which is still more than a third rounder and two high value picks. But just keep that in mind when you're evaluating the picks involved in this trade. But to just go one step further, George Burnett, longtime coach and general manager in this league, had a guy about a decade ago by the name of P.K. Subban. I don't know if it's fair to compare the two. Certainly all world talents with questionable sense off the ice or even on it sometimes I remember being in Belleville one time watching George Burnett just lose his mind on PK Subban and physically grab him by the back of the jersey and sit him on a little bench that says you're not taking the next shift or the shift after that but then three shifts later Subban was back on the ice if George Burnett couldn't get through to Ryan Merkley can Dale Hunter I don't know 
all-world talent. We'll see if Dell Hunter can straighten him out. I honestly think it's going to depend on Ryan Merkley because here's here's a quick lesson of playing under Dale Hunter. Do you want to play? Do what I say. And it's that simple. It doesn't matter whether you're a first rounder, a fifth rounder, or a 15th rounder in the Ontario Hockey League. Here's your role. Do it. You don't want to do it? That's fine. I'll put you on the bench and I won't play you. He's always been that way. And it's no shock that he's willing to take a risk on Merkley, especially for that price. It's astonishing that it's three picks maximum for a talent like Ryan Merkley. This could go down as one of the biggest steals London has ever had. Yes, I just said that. Yes, that means a lot. If he can get his head on straight, and I I honestly think that Dale has a lot of trust in his veterans in that room because that's the biggest issue when Dale's not around. What's that room going to be like? Is he going to be able to look at veterans on that team and say, oh, it's my room now, and this is how I'm going to act, and this is what I'm going to do, and I'm, I'm going to do my own thing, which is what he's done in the past. Or are those veterans going to be like, no, that's not the case. I hope for Ryan, I really do, because I, I hope any kid with that amount of talent gets to you know achieve his goal of playing in the National Hockey League, and the only way that's going to happen is if he does get his head on straight. So I hope he does, for lack of a better expression, fall in line in London, in that night's dressing room, and with Dale, his track record just doesn't show that that's going to be the case. Everybody that goes to London falls in line. It's one of those things where you talk to people in and around the London Knights, and it's immediately made clear when they walk into that dressing room, you're a London Knight, and this is how we do things around here. And then you just do. You fit right in, you assimilate. I'm with you. I don't know Ryan Merkley well enough. He's never done anything to wrong me. A kid with that kind of talent, I want to see him achieve the highest levels, make the most money. I, I Selfishly, as a hockey fan, I want to see this kid play for 20 more years. Please and thank you. Yeah. We'll have to see. He's always been gracious whenever I've asked for an interview. He comes out, talks to me, answers the questions, goes about his day. He's always got a smile on his face. Seems like he's loving life. I wish nothing but the best for him. And there's been some characters to go through that London Knights organization. You don't have to look very far. And... Merkley just joins the long list that have that's done it. Rob Shrimp, Patrick Kane, so on and so forth. There was there's long stories you can find from a lot of people that Mitch Marner, Ty Domi, and um, th- those likes didn't get along when they won their first championship together, but they made it work. And I think that's where Dale's really going to come in handy with Ryan Merkley. So Merkley gets traded for a third-round pick, plus a couple of conditionals at this point. We're going to find out more details as as time goes on. Uh, obviously not the first trade in the league this year. The Kitchener Rangers were active in the offseason with Jacob Ingham. More recently, Liam Howell. I think it was two seconds and a third for Liam Howell to the Gulf Storm. I'm going off the top of my head. But it's interesting to see some of the moves being made early in the season. And, and I bring that up because... There are players that are now just returning to the Ontario Hockey League, at least one of whom you and I both agree is going to be traded this season. The question is when. And I know our live studio audience and Mike Moose Reeves, the the bus driver for the Kitchener Rangers, is going to get very excited when we mention the name Ty DeLandria, returned by the Dallas Stars to the Flint Firebirds, Ryan Suzuki, back to the Barry Colts. I don't want to give any illusion that 
anybody thinks Ryan Suzuki's going anywhere other than back to Barry. Ty Delandria back to Flint is a piece that the Firebirds now have to use to acquire assets. I cannot, for the life of me, see Ty Delandria finishing the season in Flint, but I believe that Barkley Branch, the general manager in Flint, hangs on to Ty Delandria until about 10 p.m. on Jan. No, they have to move him by noon hour, whatever it is. Whatever the deadline is on January the 10th, Ty Delandria stays until the very end because prices just go up, and by keeping him in your lineup, you eke maximum value out of his person. A guy like Ty Delandria, in my mind, is the chip in the Ontario Hockey League this year. You can bring up other names. It doesn't matter. Ty Delandria is the big fish in the Ontario Hockey League this year. And you're right. Prices do go up at the trade deadline. But Barclay Branch has the opportunity to say, here's the price. Pay it. I think teams will pay it now. That's why you make the move now because you say you're getting a whole season out of Ty Delandria as opposed to half. You say, I want seven draft picks and I want an 0-2 player and an 0-1 player. And someone is going to pay it, whether it's now or at the deadline. At least now you have the bargaining chip of you get a full season out of them. We've seen the moves that if, when you play with a team for a full season as opposed to just joining them at the deadline it's a lot easier to find that chemistry and you get a you get that chemistry you get a better spot in the standings because he's on your team the whole season and you get the tickets that people are going to come see Ty Delandria as opposed to being in Flint I know that Flint's not going to like it but trade him now he hasn't even suited up a game trade him now you will get prime assets you set your price we all know the price doesn't go down, Popper. The price does not go down. Even if the price today is seven picks and two players, that's going to be the price on January the 10th. I promise you that because desperation goes up too as the season gets later. You're right. From the team doing the buying, of course they'd like more time out of Ty Delandry with their team. But Flint would be foolish to give him up too soon because they want to make sure after their Oh, and 17 start a season ago in the lost season when you and I were making bets on whether or not they would reach double digits in victories. They want to make sure that they earn a playoff spot. And one of the best ways of doing that is keeping Ty Delandria in your lineup. The price is not going to drop. And even if it dropped, it would drop so insignificantly between now and the deadline that it would not be worth it, in my opinion, to make the deal now. Hang on to him. Get maximum value for your team. He's your asset. He said when you drafted him, yep, I'm going to be there in Flint. Thank you very much with this new franchise. Just keep him. Get maximum value. Secure your playoff position. Your pr- the price you're going to get is likely to actually go up because you might have a bidding war by that time with teams that think they have a shot come trade deadline. And if you if you really need somebody right now, go knock on the Berg store and say, hey, how's it going with Akeel Thomas over there? Is he ready yet? I'll take him. I think Niagara has to keep Akeel Thomas because they don't have much else there. They need that. Akeel Thomas there till the deadline to sell tickets. At least Flint has a bunch of first-rounders on their team that are actually looking for ice time. Delandria there is just going to shrink their other youngsters' ice time down. Deal him now because come deadline, other teams have already made moves and they're going to be like, yeah, you know what? I'm not willing to pay that. And then what? Then Flint's screwed because they've shrunk other youngsters' ice time down and they have a prime asset they could get so much for that they haven't moved and now they have to move them for 
a third and a couple real prime conditionals. Oh, yeah, because Ty DeLandria and Ryan Merkley are on the same plane when it comes to off-ice behavior. Shut your face. Like that one? You're so ridiculous, honestly. But you, my point stays the same. Yes, I was being a little facetious, but it, it's it's that... I'm not going to pay that. I'm not going to pay that. I'm not going to pay that. Well, now you have to drop it. And then they lose assets. You get your prime assets now. Set your price. It's not just like a middle-of-the-road player. This is the best player in the Ontario Hockey League. Set your price. Make your deal. Let me tell you how this actually works. You are Barkley Branch, and you've got aces in the hole. And somebody else is telling you, I'm not going to pay it. I'm not going to pay it. I'm not going to pay it. And you don't blink. And on January the 10th, somebody's going to pay it because they're going to have to. That Trust me on this. They, but what if they don't? Then you're they stuck will. with an asset. They, not gonna, no, you're not going to be stuck with Ty Delandria. I promise you. Tell that to Mike Kelly. On which deal? He was stuck with Tag Bert- or, uh, Tyler Bertuzzi. He was stuck with Reichel. He, he sent the Gulf Storm back three years. Yeah, they won a championship no, last no, no. year, but he, he got stuck with no, them. No, no, that's not. The only thing that, that pooched uh, Mike Kelly in all of that was Ryan Fabry. And, and the fact that he wanted to hang on to, I always call him Ryan. I used to work with a guy, Ryan Fabro. It's Robbie Fabry. I know this. I'm so sorry to the Fabry family. But by the way, Ryan Fabro, one of the best producers I ever worked with. Loved you, buddy. That's, that was the deal. He hung on to Fabry too long. He Kind of along the idea of keeping a guy to, to keep your position, like to, to secure a playoff spot, all these other things. But, but Mike Kelly made that decision consciously. It's not like he was trying to shop Robbie Fabry. He just, Fabry didn't want to go anywhere and he kept them. Fabry had options. Fabry had uh, clout, leverage. It, it, forget about it. It, it. What set him back was the fact that they didn't move Fabry. They decided to keep him. It's not because nobody wouldn't pay the price. Nobody would pay the price. They just kept them. They made okay. a mistake. So if you, so if someone offers you right now, Let's say seven picks and a player for Ty Delandria. And you think, you know what, I could probably get nine picks and a player, but that price might drop to five picks and a player. Are you willing to lose the two picks in the hope that you might get nine, or do you take the seven? You're going to get the seven on January the 10th. Yes, you hold on to him. This this is not even a question. I can't believe we're having this conversation. It's over. There's so many first You're so round. Wrong. You're there's so, so wrong. many first rounders on that hockey club Honest that need goodness. ice time to develop because they're not winning the West this year. They'll be a playoff team, yes, but they're not winning. So move him. Give your young players ice time they need to find out what this league is about you're shrinking other players ice time because you're going to put delandry out there a head coach doesn't want him there it doesn't make any sense to other players development you're shrinking other players development by keeping him there you need to move him now for the assets that are on the table i'm calling five teams i'm saying give me your best bid starting bid starts at seven picks and a player Give me your best bid. I'm taking the top one. Okay. You know what? You can do it that way, Barkley, and I'll do it the right way. And we'll see Ty Delandria move very close to the trade deadline this year. And uh, the Flint Firebirds will be a very happy hockey club. I would say it would be the first time in a long time Flint has done it the right way. But they have done things the right way. They've drafted really well. Like I said, they have a lot of first rounders on their team, or a lot of first and second rounders on their team. They're going to be a really, really good team in probably two to maybe three years and i look forward to seeing the dort federal event center full right that's a great barn for junior hockey i've said it from 
I don't know, the beginning of this podcast. That building has such character and it would be so awesome if it is packed. The The walk into that rink is one of the best in the Ontario Hockey League in my mind. You have to walk all the way underneath. It's this there's concrete everywhere, everywhere. You know you're in Flint. The fans are right on top of you. And if that place is full and loud, it would be an awful, awful place to play. Can we start? Sorry, just it would be a great place to play, like as a player right. for Flint, but as an opposing team. Can we start the petition right now to bring back the hot tub, please? There used to be a hot tub seat down in the one end behind the net, just off to the side. Bring back the hot tub seats. That was fantastic. The hot tub's a hot seat in Flint, yes. Meaning that both it's warm and would be a great seat to watch the game. You know who's not in the hot seat and hasn't been in about two decades? You talk about doing things the right way. The championship, the ultimate prize has eluded him. But you don't survive for decades in this ridiculous business unless you're doing things the right way. Stan Butler, 20 years with the same organization from Brampton to North Bay, prior to that in Oshawa, then in Prince George. Stan Butler might just be what junior hockey is. And he gave us a couple moments to come into the office in North Bay and sit down and have a chat. Why don't we start with the beautiful creature that we walked by coming in here today, Crosby. Is that the dog hanging out in the in the room? Is that uh, named after Sid? Yeah, of course he's named after Sydney. I was I was lucky enough for four summers, I guess, from Sid from the age of thirteen to seventeen to to go uh, to California and run camps, and you know he was there with me for all four summers and. The only other adult there was his dad, and it's a kind of a funny story, but they asked me, you know, would you mind having a roommate? And, you know, I said, sure, I'll have a roommate, no problem. The guy comes in, he says, hi, I'm Troy. I said, hi, I'm Stan. I said, what are you doing here? And he says, well, I'm here with my kid. My kid's 13. And I said, well, a lot of really good players here, a lot of NHL first-round draft picks. I said, he must be pretty good. And the next day I got in the ice, and I watched him for 10 minutes, and I said... <laughs> He's better than most of these NHL first-round picks, and he's, he's, he hasn't even played midget hockey yet. So um, we started a relationship then, and, uh, you know, f- through that camp, Wayne Gretzky actually met him and came on the ice in practice, and I've been lucky enough to to be at Sid's a uh, couple of his Stanley Cup parties I've been invited to, as well as his 21st birthday. So I just thought it was appropriate if I was in hockey to... If I was going to get a dog, I had to call Crosby. And then about two weeks after I got it, uh, his dad, Troy, texted me and wanted my new address. And now Crosby has a Pittsburgh Penguin leash. <laughs> there's a green one over here. So is it a mix between the battalion colors and the Pittsburgh colors for Crosby? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt. He's got a green He's got a green collar on, too. I mean, it's, you know, there's your favorite NHL team and then there's your favorite OHL team. So, <laughs> uh, you know, he, he realizes that... Uh, if he's going to live in North Bay, better cheer for the battalion. <laughs> Just touching on that real quickly, what was it like watching a guy at that age, as you said, outperform some NHL first rounders? It's it's unbelievable. It's 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 amazing a guy can be that good then. And you know, it's 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 funny because you know, like I'm getting a lot of calls now on Spezza because I had Jason Spezza at 15 in Brampton, and and you know, a lot of the Toronto media are calling and said, you know, how did you know he was that good? Well, it's not a matter that you know that they're good. They just they just 
they just step up. They just show people their skills and whatever. And, and you know, uh, there's, you know, there's just a few of those guys that come around every so often that are able to do things at a young age that, uh, you know, even other really good players are not capable of doing. You know, when you bring up a name like that, Spezza, and then you think Hodgson, Duchesne, just to name a few of the players that have come through this organization, and, and you've been close and you've had tremendous seasons with the battalion over all of the years. Can you pick out a, a best team that you were behind the bench for? Well, I think the most talented team was probably our 8 9 team. Uh, we lost in the finals uh, to Windsor. Uh, when you look at both teams in that series now, I mean, we had... Hodson played in the NHL. Thomas McCollum was our goalie. Matt Duchesne was a 17-year-old. Eugenie Gravchep, Matt Clark. I mean, and then but then you know, you're disappointed you lose, and then you go on the other side of the rink, and they have Taylor Hall and Ryan Ellis and Adam Henrik and Greg Nemes, and you know, I could go on and on and on. I, I think they had about 12 guys off that team that played, you know, in the NHL, and and, and the, even Connor O'Donnell that played on that team in the fourth lines of referee in the NHL. So, you know, I think that was our, you know, probably our most talented team, and you know, we we lost in overtime, and I think it was Game Five with Duchesne sitting in the box for a penalty, but. Uh, you know, and then, you know, since we've been here, um, you know, we, our first year here, we lost in the finals to Guelph. Um, as you guys know, and, and you know, you've, 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 you know, when Pete was there, they won, they won the cup and then they went to the final. Uh, this is a really, really hard league uh, to win in. And, and I think, you know, to be honest, uh, you know, in Brampton, if you're at games, we draw 1,500, 1,800 people. You get in the playoffs and, you know, you'd play Barry in the playoffs and they'd have more fans there than you. So, you know, when we're in Brampton, there's never a home ice advantage. Since we've been here, it's been better. But, you know, there's, we're definitely a, a small market team. And, and, and uh, you know, as, as much as... Uh, you know, people don't realize is that time. There's uh, sometimes a lot more challenges in those markets, uh, you know, for recruiting, um, especially American kids. I mean, when you look at geography, you know, if I'm a kid from Michigan and I can play in the Western Conference, you know, and my parents can see me a bunch of times. Obviously, if I'm going to give up, uh, you know, U.S. college scholarship or whatever, that's a much better option. So, you know, it's it's interesting that way. But, uh, yeah, we produced some good players. I mean, Brent Burns wasn't bad either. And, you know, I mean... He, that what what we always say is we're the best development league in the world and part of when you develop your teams is like the 0809 team i mean we should have had a better team on paper the next year but unfortunately all those guys that are eligible to come back and play end up playing in the nhl so you know that's a challenge i i think for anybody whether you know i don't care what team you're in the league whether it's you know mike mckenzie there in kitchener is just being able to kind of he's got to have good players but you can't have players that are you know too good because they leave too quick (laughs) Stan you mentioned some of the difficulties about how hard it is to win in this league you talked about some of the difficulties of being a small market team but you look at your rosters over the last 20 years it's a laundry list I don't think we'd have time to list all the NHLers or pro players that have come through underneath you even your coaches your assistant coaches under you move on to become head coaches Mm -hmm. how have you made it work for so long because in around this league and in the world right now obviously you know a lifetime of a job is short-lived but you've managed to keep the same one for so long yeah I remember there was a time there I think it was the early 2000s where I it was lucky enough to coach the world junior team two times in a row and and obviously there's offers at that time to go to the next level and I remember having a meeting with Dave Branch and 
I was looking at the different options and my my daughter's special needs. Um, and at the time, there, we were at Variety Village in Toronto, which was a really good program. And I remember sitting down with Dave and talking to him about the pros and cons. And, you know, um, he just said to me, you know, what's wrong with being Brian Kilray? And, I mean, obviously, I don't think I'm Brian Kilray, but what what he meant was what's wrong with being a career junior coach. It's no different than, you know, Red, uh, U.S. college coach like Red Berenson in Michigan. And, you know, rightly or wrongly, at that time, I made that decision. That's what I was going to do. I was going to work with young people and help them and, and, and try to move them on. And, you know, as much as, you know, as an organization, we've had some success. I mean, not as much as we would like on the ice, and we produce a lot of NHL players. Uh, we have a lot of successful guys that played for us that, you know, are working on Bay Street now and, and, and doing various things and, and doing very well. So I think when you're in junior hockey, you know, you, you basically not only do you want to develop players as athletes but you want to develop them as human beings as well we're sitting here on a game day casually in the office it's early in the season Stan there's not too much to worry about the pressures haven't mounted perhaps at least I mean I could be wrong from your perspective but what keeps the fire in the belly for you to come back for another run at this thing well I I think basically when you're a workaholic I, I I don't know if 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 retirement is a is a thing you want to do um, you know, obviously, you know, I'm in a situation where I'm, I'm getting, you know, I mean, I do want to retire eventually. And but, you know, at, at the time right now, as long as I feel that I can contribute to the team, I think I've adapted with kids. I mean, uh, I understand social media. Um, I'm active on social media. I kind of understand where they're at. So as long as I can relate to them and do things like that, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, I'll keep going. But uh, I would think my clock's uh, closer to, you know, getting over than it was to start. The game and and obviously the dressing room are certainly not the way they used to be. How did you transfer through that transition yourself? Well, I, I think it's a big change in our league. You know, like when I started, I was lucky enough to coach the Oshawa Generals, which was a great organization. And, you know, I had Brian Boys there as my, my athletic therapist who could teach me things, and Frank Jay and Wayne Daniels. And, you know, I, I remember that we used to have a dome next door, and, you know, the kids would go over if they wanted to and ride one or two stationary bikes and universal weights. And, and I just watched the league evolve from that to – you know, a league that all the rinks became brand new rinks, you know, other than probably Kitchener and North Bay that have had rentals. <laughs> you know, you see these beautiful rinks like in Oshawa and, and places like that, and, and that's how the game's changed. That I guess there was a real recipe for these kids, you know. They want, you know, if we're going to be a development league, we got to move with the times and we got to, you know, put things together that are more up to date. And as a result of that, I think we all adapted. I mean, when I first started coaching in the league, uh, you know, I had one. I had an assistant coach in Bill Purcell, was a fireman who made three thousand dollars a year, and then Johnny Goodwin uh, was uh, worked at Hydro, and he would or the nuclear plant. He would come over afterwards as a volunteer, and that was our staff. I mean, I taught half time. I, I taught in Scarborough half time. I finished teaching at noon. I eat my lunch on the way from Scarborough to there, and then I go coach. I mean, um, Brian Boyce was at a therapy clinic in the morning, and then he would show up. And Wayne Daniels, our GM, worked at General Motors, and we would have to meet after practice because he was working full days. So it, it's gone from there um, to what it is now. The game itself has changed so much, and if we, I mean, we can go back to the 
former Centennials here in North Bay, for example. In the mid-80s, the Centennials and the Rangers had some great Donnie Brooks, and that's the way the game was played. And there's a lot of talk about the game itself and how it has changed and whether it has for the better. What do you think of the state of the game of hockey today? Well, I mean, I guess, you know... From a speed and skill standpoint, there's no doubt the game has gone eons, right? It's it's unbelievable. I mean, in a city like North Bay, where they were used to Burt Templeton type teams and and the toughness in their team, and you know Billy Holder just walked out of the room and he was a member of those teams. Uh, you know, I think when we moved here, they really struggled with how the game had changed. Like they'd be on me, like, wow, well, you know, your you, your team plays too soft, or you do this, or you do that. Well, that's just the way the game's changed, and I think as you know, you look in the NHL now. I mean, in the old days, uh, you know, you look at uh, when I came in the league my first year in Oshawa, we had, you know, on our team we had Eric Bolton, we had Nathan Perry, we had John Tripp, we had Rob McHugh, we had Jeff Ware. Probably had seven guys that were legitimate heavyweight guys and then Peter had Matt Johnson and you look at the NHL now those guys are right out of the league I mean you know you look at the Leafs playing last night their fourth lines Jason Spezza and Trevor Moore and these are highly skilled hockey players so the game's changed speed and skill and I think you know it's just something everybody needs to I guess you know you got to adapt to Throughout the league, as the games change, though, I think anybody that comes into whether it be Brampton or North Bay or when the battalions show up to their building, they realize those two points aren't coming easy because it's a Stan Butler coached hockey team. <laughs> How yeah, much has your, know, ide- yeah. your identity changed? It's, it's kind of funny because, you know, people make it out, and I, I laugh out, and Pete DeBoer is, is a good friend of mine. He's giving me a hard time about it. But they always have this thing about a trap, and we've never trapped. And, you know, we've, uh, we've, we've you know, we've been, uh, we've been, you know, we've been good, you know, good defensive team or whatever. And, you know, I mean, people got to can't lose track is, you know, I've, you know, I mean, uh, I mean, Mark Savard won two scoring championships in a row under me. I mean, uh, you know, Draz, Justin Braswell scored 61 goals from a kid out of midget A hockey out of Liskert. So, um, you know, we we have our offensive players, but my belief is that kids have got to learn how to play 200 feet. And if we went over to my other GM's, to my GM's office, there's a picture of Matt Duchesne there with a the gold medal from the Olympics. And, you know, Matt's a highly, highly skilled player, but for Matt to make that Olympic team and win a gold medal, you know, he made that team because he could play 200 feet and, and things like that. So, you know, what I always try to tell the kids is there's very few guys in the game anymore that can just be an offensive guy and, and do nothing else. So, you know, we try to teach our kids how to play both ways. And, you know, rightly or wrongly there, like our, our 2000 age group, you know, we didn't have a very good draft. So we're really thin on 19-year-olds. So, you know, it's, yeah, we're, we're a responsible defensive team and we work hard. But, you know, if, if we're trapping, it's not by design. <laughs> it's it's by fear and intimidation because the players don't want to piss you off. <laughs> I don't even think it's that. It's maybe because we're too slow to get there on time. You know, like I mean, we just we're we're supposed to play an aggressive forecheck and we're just too slow getting there. I mean, maybe uh, I don't know. The ice is uh, harder up here, and guys' skates don't hold it as well. <laughs> you mentioned earlier your use of social media. I got to ask because North Bay was one of the teams in Kitchener for the preseason showcase and you shared a photo of taking the kids for ice cream and you said that Stan Butler was paying that night. Come on, fess up. Is it true? Did you actually open your wallet for that? Yes, I did. (laughs) I mean, I don't have Jay McKee's type of money, but uh, you know what? Uh, You know what? They're still kids. And and what you got to realize in life is that they're 16 to 20 year olds. I think when they put their buckets on, people forget that. And to them, you know, going for ice cream or doing that type of stuff, that's, uh, 
that's a big deal. That's the stuff they never forget. And I mean, I think you know. If you're going to stay in this game, one thing you can't lose track of is, you know, it's got to be fun. Like, you know, when you when you have a player from the age of 16 to 20 for you, you have them for five years and you're with them every day of the week. I mean, you're spending more time with them in those five years than his parents are and more time than you spend with your own kids. So, you you know, you've got you do a lot of things with them and, and you know, it's a stressful time. You know, uh, some kids are studying real hard to get into medical school. These kids are trying really hard to play in the NHL. So you know what? You got to lighten the load sometimes, and and you and you got to. You guys know what it's like to go on the bus all the time. You got to have some fun at times as well. Real quickly on the ice cream note, it's right around the corner from my place where it's, I live. It, it's a it's an awesome place. Like right? I got, I can't take credit for that. Our bus driver George found it, and uh, I just told him find me a place where there's scoops. <laughs> I love it. Just real quickly before we let you go, you mentioned that about having fun on the one side of the game and but also keeping the seriousness. Nowadays, how much of it is coaching and how much of it is also being that guardian? Well, I, I think it's a little bit of both. I, I, I think the biggest thing today with, with coaching is managing people. And what I mean by that is managing expectations, managing communicating uh, to the players. There's a lot more meetings now. When I first started, you said it, they did it. I mean, now it's more, you know, you, you talk people through things, you explain them why you're doing it. I think uh, the philosophy, what's in it for me works nowadays, where you show a guy, if you do this, this, and this, you know, you can play in the National Hockey League, and this is how much money you'll make. Um, you know, we have a young guy here, Brandon Cole, that, you know, he's a little bit inconsistent sometimes. In the summer, I arranged for him to, you know, go up to Matt Duchesne's house in Halliburton and spend a day there and, and just work out with him and see what it's like and, and give him some perspective. So I think the biggest thing with kids today is communicating what you want. Explain to them how it benefits them because I think with the, the youth of today, it's all about buy-in. And if they buy in, they're fine. But if they don't buy in, then they're not going to be as easy to deal with. Appreciate the time, Stan. Thanks very much for this. Anytime, guys. Thanks a lot, Stan. That was awesome. Yeah, no That's problem. Great. Really yeah, appreciate yeah. it. No Thank problem. you. Yeah. No, good. Yeah, it's funny. One of the funny Jay McKee stories I'll tell you is... Uh, oh, now. Yeah, come on. Turn it back on. Turn turn back on. on. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you can tell, Jay, this is one. Is this you, a usable one no, or not yeah, usable? This is, this, is, uh, this is a good one, yeah. Oh, can we use it? Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, sure. Real quickly, we just, just hung up the podcast, but Stan, you have a Jay McKee story for us. Well, you know what, it was funny, a few years ago they asked me, there was a bunch of changes and guys got promoted to, to NHL teams, so um, what they did is uh, they asked me to come back and, 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 I guess, unretire my Team Canada wardrobe and go back and coach the under-18 team. And I can remember, uh, you know, they were looking for guest coaches. And, you know, I, I said to them, like, I thought one of the most up-and-coming guys in the game is Jay McKee, and they should take him. So they took Jay to the, uh, to the, to the, to the camp, and he did, as always, an amazing job. And part of the guest coaches' jobs was when players were released, they had to walk them out to the bus. And the GM of the team was Dale DeGray, and obviously, you know, as a coach at that level, the GMs make the thing. Well, they released uh, a player who played for the Kitchen Rangers, I'll leave it at that, and I look out the window, and there's Jay walking beside him, taking him out to the bus, and I was just thinking, I wonder what that conversation's like. And I wonder what it's going to be like when they get back to Kitchener. <laughs> Yikes. We'll find out. Yeah. You know who the player was. I apologize to all North Bay media for taking some time with Stan Butler. 
I know that uh, it's hard to come by sometimes. But what a what a nice guy, Mike. So it's funny. Twice on this trip already, I've been asked how long I've been doing this. I, I swear to you, I don't know. I know that sometime around the turn of the century, I was working in Guelph and then... Sometime after that, I shifted over to Kitchener. I think I shifted to Kitchener in the 0405 season. Which century? This one. The current one. Shut up, young pup. Anyway, but so I've, I've seen Stan a number of times over the years. And there are some times where you feel like you ran over Stan's dog with your car because he's just he's, – he's not very approachable. Crosby? And then never. Never having met Crosby now. But then there are other times where Stan has just wandered into a media room and sat down and chatted with you like you're a long-lost cousin. It's And I am so grateful for the long-lost cousin-type chat we just got with him. I mean, he's sitting around in his office in a T-shirt and sandals and the dog's wandering around and whatever. I don't care what other people around here doing work. Let's chat. And it was a really casual, open conversation. But you, you make a great point. Let's let's pull back the curtain here a little bit. So this happens on game day. We have this conversation about, what, 11 o'clock in the morning. And Stan tweets it out. And I'm, I'm honestly starting, Stan, I love you. Please let's have another chat like this sometime. But I'm wondering if he did this on purpose to throw shade at the media in North Bay. Because the second I walked into that media room, and you were still doing some pregame work, the second I walked into that media room in North Bay, <laughs> the, the managing editor of the North Bay Nuggets says, how did you get to talk to – he never talks to me. I'm like, I'm sorry. I asked him. He said yes. Well, I think it's a little different though too. Our podcast is pretty just laid back and we're talking about his career and him as a person with, with his dog Crosby and stuff. We're not criticizing why – you know they haven't been to a finals in three years. Why they've only been to one final since moving to North Bay? What? Oh, why are you playing this style of hockey? What are you doing with this player? Have you thought of putting these two together? It's it's completely different. I don't know what kind of a- questions they're asking up here, but it's that day to day grind that you're with people. It's Stan sees us twice a year, and that's you know if he comes into the media room on the road. Otherwise, he sees us for a little bit and. Away we go. It's a it's a chat about him and his career, and it's been an illustrious career. It's, he's done quite well. And and let's let's be blunt about this too. After all this time, and I'll bet you we might even get the same response from Jay McKee, who's in his fourth year as a head coach with the Kitchener Rangers. It, the the daily talking about your team. Why is the power play not working? Why did you choose those lines? Give me a break. That's the grind, right? If you want to sit down and talk hockey with these people, like like we did just now with Stan, they'll they'll talk to you about hockey until the cows come home. Yeah. So that's the it, it, listen. In all honesty, if if Stan Butler wants to say you're going to get an assistant coach or another member of the staff to answer the day to day questions because I've answered them approximately five thousand seven hundred and eighty two times, you've earned that right. Was that just quick math? No, I just made up a number. <laughs> oh, I was like, I am so impressed, Rain Man. Uh, if in, if we're lucky enough to still be working this job in 16 years, which would make Cheese a 20-year head coach of the Kitchener Rangers, he has every right to send out an assistant. I, I don't blame him. If, if Cheese, a.k.a. Jay McKee, 
is the coach of the Kitchener Rangers in 16 years. I will eat the second shoe that I eat after Ty Delandria gets traded before the trade deadline this year. Just so you look, our studio audience doesn't have any. Moose, you think trade Delandria now? Trade him right now. Honestly, the peanut gallery in on me. Trade him right now. Do not wait. You will not get the return. You've had smart guy. One too many core slices over there. That will give if uh, if Jay is here for twenty years, it'll give him roughly twenty different captains. The way the Rangers have been going (laughs) as of late, because you're a captain for a year and then you're gone. And if we look at the two captains the Rangers named this year. There's a really good chance both of them are gone next year. Well, one is for sure because Greg Morellis sharing the captaincy will be an overager if he ever gets back from the American Hockey League. And yeah, Riley Damiani, highly unlikely he's back for an overage tour in this season. Is it, is it half a captain then this year? I don't know how this works. No, it's co-captains. And we had a chance to talk to one of them, Riley Damiani. So it wasn't too long ago that uh, you were up around the pro ranks now you're back here and you're wearing a letter on your jersey. What's that mean to you? Uh, it means a lot to have the trust in my uh, my teammates and my coaches. It's uh, it's everything that I've worked for, everything that I've wanted. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm grateful. I'm honored to uh, to represent the letter, represent the C alongside Greg this year, and uh, I'm looking forward to a great year. Tell us a little bit about that relationship. You and Greg are obviously close, and now you're going to share the captaincy with this hockey club. Yeah, we've been uh, really good friends since since we came in. Uh, we came in the same year. He he played junior A as his first year that he was eligible to play here. So uh, we came in the same year and, and we got along right away. Uh, we didn't know each other at all before, and and I actually thought coming in he was going to be one of the guys I was competing with for a roster spot. Both five ten right handed centerman <laughs> uh, played pretty similar, but. Uh, now you can just see us get along on, on every level, and he's one of the guys, like, you never fight with him. You, you can never argue with him. He's, he's just really easygoing and, and a really great guy. So uh, working alongside him with this role will be unbelievable. You mentioned that relationship and obviously paired together now as co-captains of this team. It wasn't too long ago that uh, Farwell and I dubbed you guys the RDM line back with Nick McHugh here when you guys made a run to the Western Conference Final. You guys were used in a shutdown role during that playoff push, and now you guys are both ready to lead this team down another lengthy playoff run. What does that relationship mean to you that you guys have been through essentially at all? Uh, you uh, you see a lot of guys come through, and and uh, some guys start with role like as a role player, and uh, going from that to to developing into more of an offensive guy and more of a more of a scorer, more of a power play guy. It's definitely an adjustment but uh having the experience and and being able to go through what we did is is great and uh we're trying to carry it on to the younger guys now and and really help them develop their games into uh into more of an ohl style game more of a game we want to play here in kitchener and and develop all the way to uh the memorial cup when you think back as being that shutdown guy couple of seasons ago west final versus the sault st marie greyhounds and you think ahead to possibly making a deep run again this year except you're going to be top line offense what do you take away from that time being the shutdown guy in terms of what you learned to get ready for what's now been placed on your shoulders oh still you still want to play that shutdown role uh still want to be that guy that plays against top lines and and tries to play a defensive game first but 
uh, now you're relied on more to, to carry it from your D zone up ice and, and make plays with it as well. On that uh, on that line with Q and and Greggy, we were more of a dump the puck in when you got out of your own zone and get off the ice because you want to get the big guns out there to play in the O zone. But now uh, adds a little more creativity to your game and and really just just make plays and, and do whatever you can to to create opportunities. So who has to uh, who has to do that for you now? You're the big guns. Who's got to dump the puck and get off the ice and let the big boys come out and play? Everyone. <laughs> uh, no, we're we're a pretty deep lineup this year. I think I think anyone could put the puck in the net and, and put up points on this team. So uh, our line's pretty spread out, and I think anyone's anyone has the ability to create offense out here. So uh, if you got an opportunity, go with it, and and if not, be smart with it and get it in captains before you specifically hug and bunneman what'd you learn from them obviously two different individuals uh huggy was was a little more outgoing he i played with him all year we we got along so well and even now i still talk to him still still ask for advice on on certain things and in the same way we're always we're always shooting messages back and forth so uh it was, it was great to take a lot from his game and and i wish him the best of luck and then buns uh we got along really well too. He, he kind of took me under his wing early and uh, just helped me out in a lot of different different areas of my game and, and really developed my game well. And I played with him for a little bit too. So uh, we we had some fun on that line too. That was a shutdown line too with Hendo on the other side. So uh, no, it, it's been it's been good learning from those guys. And, and Frank was another one. He was captain my first year, and uh, he was. He really kept me in line in that in that rookie season, so uh, I'm thankful for that, and, and I'm just happy to be wearing it this year. Frank's probably listening. He's pissed that I forgot to mention him. I <laughs> yeah, apologize, Hora. <laughs> how did he have to keep you in line? You were running a little wild as a rookie. No. Uh, as no, a rookie. You know, when, when when you come in and you don't really know what to expect, right, you think you're you're kind of like a top gun on, on your minor league team, and, and then you come in and you're playing against 20 and 21-year-olds, and and it kind of puts things into perspective. Like everyone could play it. Like at the, everyone that's here is is good enough to be here. And uh, when it comes down to it, you just gotta find your role and, and follow it. So, did Hug teach you how to squirt a water bottle and not get caught by the referees? <laughs> <laughs> just asking, asking for a friend. Uh, no, we, we didn't really go over that lesson, actually. But um, hopefully, I could get away with it. We've talked about a lot of former teammates. Um, obviously, being drafted to Dallas, seeing a former teammate up there, um, what's that like? Do you guys walk in and immediately go to one another, or is he? Does Adam kind of show you the ropes? Oh, he showed me the ropes a lot um, when I went to Texas at the end of last season. He helped me out a lot, um, told me where everything was, what to do in certain situations, went over systems with me. So uh, I'm very thankful for that. And then at camps, we just we get along on on all levels too. He's really great guy really easy to get along with so um when it comes down to it i know he's got my back and and i got his and uh going forward same organization up there it's it makes it a lot easier having a guy having a guy there that you've played with and and know really well you get a lot more comfortable just real quick on that did he show you any good places to eat he was always big on food (laughs) yeah he's he's shown me a couple good places uh just pasta Freebirds is one of them. Really good place down in Texas. Uh, and then the Moxies in the hotel that we usually stay at in Dallas. 
show me a couple good dishes on that meal too <laughs> on that menu too so has has your summer sunk in for you yet riley i mean hockey canada gives you the invite for the team canada camp you're of course up with the pro camp with the dallas stars then coming back and getting the c in kitchener i mean that's a pretty pretty big summer for a, a hockey player what was it like for you experiencing all of that uh, just just taking as much as I can and, and get as much work done as I can while I'm home. Uh, it's it's obviously tough to get workouts in when you're when you're on the road and, and you're skating in different places and and really trying to work things out. But um, get my workouts in when I'm home and and spend enough time with my family where they're where they're not mad at me when I got to move back. Uh, but now I even moved houses this summer, so it was a pretty big adjustment going through that whole process. But um, no, it hasn't really hasn't really sunk in. I haven't really slowed down and, and thought about it. But uh, I'm thankful for the opportunities that I've gotten, and, and hopefully there's more to come. Obviously, most of our listeners, I would say anyway, are Rangers fans. So I just want to go back to the captaincy for just a second. How did you find out? Um, Jay called me and Greg into his office and a couple times, and we had a couple talks about it, and and what we think is is the best option and um it was just he kind of told us just uh there's no way I could just single one of you guys out uh you guys both bring a lot of different things to the table um we're very different guys uh when we're not together it's it's a little weird when you see us together because we look like we're the same person almost and we're we're a lot different he's a lot more calm than I am believe it or not uh <laughs> i get i get pretty fired up in the room and i i try to lead in that sense and, and greg's more of a calming effect so when you throw us two together it's it's something pretty special here we stand in north bay game two of the season is about to come dennis weidman says time to get on the ice so this is gonna be the last one we got it but uh there's a lot of buzz around this team how does it feel on game two of 68 with the expectations that fans and the media are placing on this Kitchen Rangers club. Do you feel pressure? Um, I wouldn't say pressure. Um, pressure wouldn't really be the word. I'm feeling a little more pressure from the coaches to uh, get on the ice, but no, uh, it's been it's been good. Uh, I like I like having the hype around us, and and I like having our fans really into it and and really enjoying watching this team, even if it's just one game so far. But uh, we're hoping to bring that energy every night and and really put our best foot forward in this league. And I, I think we got a chance of doing that this year. I'm not feeling the wrath. I'll get ready. Thanks. <laughs> you may have noticed by the end of that interview, we felt a little bit panicked. It might have been the glare of Dennis Weidman when he's getting on the ice as the Rangers coach for the morning skate. And Riley Damiani is still talking to us. We asked Riley before we started chatting, you're on the ice at 10. What time do we need to let you go by? He said, 10 to 10 is good. 9.50. At 9.49, Wides is getting on the ice, giving us the stink eye. We're like, okay, Riley, this is going to wrap up. You better go get ready. And then did he ever get ready? Well, I think it was about 9.46 he went on the ice and looked over at Riley, and Riley gave him the two hands up. 10 minutes, and I'm good. And then Jay McKee went out on the ice, and then I saw that look in Riley's eyes. rut row. <laughs> and I felt the rut row, and I couldn't end that interview fast enough. We got some nice stuff out of Riley, one of the co-captains of the Kitchener Rangers, and interesting to hear more about the relationship between him and Craig Morales. I love that relationship. 
I also love that Riley made it out well in advance of the uh, 10 o'clock morning skate. So he got dressed extremely fast. Thank you to Riley and thank you for the co- or to the coaching staff for not uh, whipping us on this trip. That's uh, that's how captains do what captains do, right? He showed his leadership, got into that room, got ready, got it on the ice, off he went. So we teased off the top about wait. something called two-line pass. Somebody uh, mentioned to me the other day that I listened to your podcast now that you brought it up, but you need to talk more about other teams in the league. I don't follow the OHL as close as you guys. I want to know what's going on because this person used to play in the Ontario Hockey League. In fact, he won an Ontario Hockey League championship. So, two-line pass, (laughs) something that we've come up with. We're going to go through the 20 teams in this league and give you two lines. For the record, I'd like to point out to your friend, in air quotes, we've spent this entire podcast talking about the league Interviewing Stan Butler, okay, Riley Damiani, shameless because it's the easiest team for us to get. But really, it's all about Merkley, Delandria, trades, when, Stan Butler, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I'm, I'm psyched for this. You're welcome, Stephen. Wow. Wow. Okay. He will not like that. Okay, so two line pass. Two lines on each team from each of us. We will go in alphabetical order. Sorry, Windsor. Um, I will toss it up to you first. Barry Colts. Is this when I point out to you that Popper told me before we started this? It's two lines. You know that, right? Keep it at two lines. I will cut you off. I know you will. All right. Two lines on the Barry Colts. Warren Reichel, Brant Clark. So that's more like two names. Okay, but Warren Reichel. That's about four sentences already from Farwell, so this whole thing's a farce. Warren Reichel is such a competitor, and I love that he's still... In this league, I think he's going to do really interesting things behind the bench with the Barry Colts. Brant Clark, fourth overall first rounder to the Barry Colts this season, led the team, the Colts, in scoring in the preseason. The Colts are up and coming. Seven lines That's for the Barry so, Colts. Okay, so sentences. Un- sentences. It's lines, yes. Two lines, two sentences. There were some commas in there. No, yeah. get ready. Okay. Because I'm cutting you off next time. That's crap. The Barry Colts, ready with Bundy, goaltending goes to Greaves? This is what you're bringing to the Two table. lines. Oh, my God. I need more than that. Two line All right, let's go. pass. All right, let's go. We will now move on to Erie. Drysdale is a stud, but still a year or two away. It is Jamie Drysdale's time to shine and if you're a little upset by the Erie Otters, 450 win seasons, settle the hell down. You did a really good job there. That was two lines. You're welcome. Two line pass on the Farwell and Pope podcast. I can do this. Farwell underscore OHL underscore Chris Pope on Twitter. We now move on to the Flint Firebirds. Much better than last year. What does the Delandria deal do down the road? I want more from you. This is sound it sounds like your your jigsaw in the saw movies. For the love of God, give us something here. Excellent headline writing, no? Well, yeah, but is that all we're doing? Headlines? I thought we were given two lines. Lines are long. Two lines. That's my feel on Flint. Much better than the last year's team. They're outstanding. Lots of first rounders. But what does the Delandria deal do down the road? Meaning what are they gonna get? There is Read no- between the 
two lines, Firewall. There is no question that the Flint Firebirds... It's two-line pass! Are This is one line! There is no question that the Flint Firebirds are a team that's on the rise, and Firebirds fans will realize that there are more wins on the table this year than last. That's a line, right? Well done. Thank you very much. Ty Delandria brings back a bounty of draft picks when he's traded at the deadline. On to the Gulf Storm down Highway 7. Who returns doesn't matter so much as who leaves. And also, who cares? It was worth it. <laughs> I am taking a reservation, a, a slight reservation on worth it because, yes, OHL championships are great, but Memorial championships, Memorial Cup championships are better. It's Cam Hillis and company in the Royal City. Hillis is gone too. Okay. Whoa. Hamilton Bulldogs. The rebuild continues, but it's still a ways away. But don't look past them quite yet. This is a team that could surprise with a new head coach. I'm going to give you so much better on this one, okay? I want to know this about the Hamilton Bulldogs. When will they be moving to a new arena? Cops is great. We all know that. It's not the right size for the junior league right now. Something's cooking there. Something's cooking. It's going to happen. And Arthur Kelly of second round into the NHL after a 51-goal season. What are you doing for an encore, young man? I'll give you the semicolon. Boy, you liked that one. Uh, Kitchener. Sorry, Stephen. Do you want to go first? Go ahead. Uh, what, is my turn to go first? Yeah, sure. Finally? Yep. Jonathan Yancis comes oh so close to becoming the second Kitchener Ranger to go back-to-back on 50-goal seasons. You want to take a quick guess at the first? Uh, We talked about him the other day. I forget his name. Jeff Larmer. Should have known that. Back-to-back 50-goal seasons. Yancis is going to get close. I don't think he quite quite gets there. And for the Kitchener Rangers this season, will the question marks be filled with answers? A lot of potential on this team. If the projections turn out to be what people expect... It's going to be a good year in Kitchener. Quite a few commas, Mike. Um, Two lines. It's two lines. (coughs) Mike McKenzie obviously hasn't seen the movie Rounders. You're not supposed to splash the pot whether Greg Morales is back or not. But this team does need young production. We're on to Kingston. I had to look to you for that because you're keeping track of the alphabetical part. Uh, What do you say about Kingston? Besides, Kingston was supposed to go first. Sorry, my alphabet's backwards. N before T. N before T, except after C. What do you say about Kingston other than Shane Wright? Only the fifth player in Ontario Hockey League history to be granted exceptional status. Popper, give me the other four. The future is now, not really, but Shane Wright's here, so it doesn't matter. Who are the other four? That was, oh, I thought those were my other two lines. Um, they are Aaron Eckblad, Connor McDavid, Sean Day, and uh, I can't think of the fourth. The guy that I personally think should be captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs. John Tavares. Correct. The interesting thing about Sean Day in all of that, the only exceptional player to not go first overall, went fourth to Mississauga, Travis Konechny. First to Ottawa that year. Anyway, the other thing about besides Shane Wright with Kingston, will the fans finally show up? 
please, somebody, it's a great arena. Go to the damn games. What's the matter with you, Kingston? Seemed like a pretty good selection, Travis Konechny. He just signed a massive ticket in Philly, and they love him there. Sean Day, pro hockey. The London Knights. You want to take this one, or do you want me to? I was going to start with the Ryan Merkley rumors, but as you already heard earlier on this podcast, Merkley to London, the Knights are for real, and when they get a sniff, they go full nose. Watch out for London. Don't hate the full nose. Okay, two lines on the London Knights. Those, those two lines again. Just no, I'm just saying myself. Overrated. Whoa. <laughs> That's uh, underscore Chris Pope, Mr. Hunters. Two lines on the London Knights. Overrated, but still good, even with Merkley. Four rookies on the back end, and key question mark in goal with coy injuries. I like it. And I think there are a lot of question marks in goal around this league this year. Very young back end. I'm guessing Mississauga's next. Yes, it is. Sorry, I keep forgetting about the alphabet. Don't you dare sleep on Kean Washcrack. Good old Kitchener boy, 16 tucks last season. Watch for that number to go up exponentially this year. And dear David Branch, when are we done with the GTA already? Come on! Two-line pass on the Mississauga. Sneaky good up front. Dangerous next year, for sure. We now move on to... Niagara. I want answers. I don't want questions. I didn't give you a question. I said sneaky good up front. Dangerous next year for sure. This is a team built for next year. I got They're you. sneaky good up front. They'll be they'll be good. All right. But they're built for next year. Two things with the Niagara Ice Dogs. If you have not been paying attention through the offseason, you may not have noticed that those sanctions and the punishments attached to them were reduced instead of $250,000 and two first-round picks. It's $150K and one first-round pick for some shenanigans. I'll just leave it at that. What do they get for Akil Thomas to recoup some of the 20 draft picks they traded last year? Two lines on Niagara. Fail for Fantilli. Enjoy Kimball Union Academy, where he's now going to school. <laughs> that is savage, Popa. A.K.A. Fantilli goes first overall to Niagara. If you say so. Well, that's my two lines. I Enjoy it. your season, Ice I, Dogs. I, I, I love you, but I'm just saying, fail for Fantilli. We now move on to, oh, our current habitat, North Bay. I was getting ready for Ottawa there for a second. I okay, no, I got no, it. You're right. No, you're right. I got it. I got, I got it. I got it. Do you it. want to go or do you want me to go? Okay, go. Okay. Young and energetic, but will find defense to be an issue. Stan is still the man to fix the issue. Interesting to note on this North Bay team is that there are no 2000 birth year original battalion draftees. Take that for what it is. However, some of the youth, and we just saw them, Christopolis, Paul on the back end, and Liam Arnsby, some players. Don't worry, time's coming in North Bay. For the record, only two 2,000 births on Kitchener that were drafted by them, Riley Damiani, Lucas File. But zero, like two on the Rangers, yes, but zero homegrown 
2000s on the North Bay Battalion. The only two they have right now, Luke Moncada, originally a Guelph Storm draft pick, and Braden Henderson on the back end, originally Sarnia Sting. Okay, so we're on to Oshawa. Two-line pass on the Oshawa Generals. Top end forwards with a lethal power play. Who's stopping pucks? No answer, because no Kaiser. Funny you say that, because hope you had fun knocking off Niagara last year, because now there is no Kaiser. To the nation's capital, to the Ottawa 67s. Two-line pass, two short lines. Beasts in the east, it's not close. They are peaking with Keating this year. As if you thought they were so good last year, it's going to be better. And Cedric Andre, yes, don't you worry, he's ready to carry the load. To the smallest center in the Ontario Hockey League, I was going to say up north, but it's, I guess it's south from where we are right now in North Bay. <laughs> to Owen Sound, two lines. A veteran team that will surprise people. Guzda still suspect, yes, but home ice matters. I love the little market that could, but I'm selling my stock in the Owen Sound attack. Aiden Dudas is going to be a great captain, but no offense, fellas. Until you get somebody that can reliably stop that puck, it's going to be a long season at the Bayshore. We talked about them earlier. One of the best jerseys in the CHL, the Peterborough Peets. Two-line pass. Keeping up with the Joneses, or just one Jones, Hunter Jones, because he's carrying your team. And what the hell were you doing with Ryan Merkley? That's a terrible trade. I want this for Peterborough so bad. Remember last year when I said... They're my dark horse, and they let me down. I love the franchise and everything about it, the history, you name it, the unis, you name it. I want it for them so bad. But did they shoot themselves in the skate when they acquired Berkeley and then moved him away? And the greatest player to ever play the game played in Peterborough, Steve Eisman. Settle down. Doug Gilmore played for the Cornwall Royals back in the day, just so you know. Now we go south to Saginaw. Two-line pass on the Saginaw Spirit. Best in the West with or without Wild. But Prozvitov, if he comes back, needs to keep his head on straight. There has been the eye of the tiger, the hungry eyes in Saginaw since we saw them at the preseason showcase in Kitchener. And look out, Cole Perfetti is going to give Quinton Byfield a run for his money this year as the top pick coming out of the Ontario Hockey League into the NHL. To Sarnia and the Sting. Two-line pass. I'll pass it on to you, Mike Farwell. One of the sensational sophomores in Jacob Perot, son of Yannick. But beyond that, I'm trying to figure out what this Sarnia Sting team really is, and I'm not sure it's a whole lot. Two-line pass on the Sarnia Sting. Coaches challenges. Perfect. Also, do we get media access this year? Wow. Shade. Sault Ste. Marie. This year is what people thought last year was. The fall-off. And if Hayden is back, which he won't. He was first start tonight in the game between Vancouver and Arizona. It's a huge coup. If I'm selling my stock in Owen Sound, I'm buying all of it in Sault Ste. Marie. I think Hayton comes back. He's a huge asset to move. But even if they don't, 
This is a team that has found a way to churn out quality players. You come in, you play the Sioux way. This team, don't go to sleep on Sioux St. Marie. Yeah, okay. Uh, To Sudbury, where we are Sunday, I will pass it on to you for the first two-line pass on the Sudbury Wolves. Quinton Byfield is a beast and making his mark on the Ontario Hockey League this season. But Sudbury is going to have to figure out what they're doing between the pipes because I'm not sure per boo is the answer. Two-line pass on the Sudbury Wolves. This year, UPL stands for under permanent leave and enjoy Byfield while you can. Wow. What, last year in the show? Come on. Absolutely. He's gone next year. See you later. Yep. The Windsor Spitfires all started off. Two-line pass on the Windsor Spitfires. Ifansayanov, Ivanisifanov, Ifansanafov, if, if in a, it doesn't matter. 40 goals later, by the end of the year, we'll figure it out. P.S., where's Bundy? That player that you're trying to name that I felt a Afanasayov, whatever, the key piece of the Michael DiPietro trade of a year ago. Watch for him to light it up this year and... The new GM bowler dodges a bullet because London snapped up Merkley first. That is two-line pass on the Farwell and Pope podcast. Farwell might have went seven lines sometimes, and I might have asked a lot of questions. But there's still questions that need to be asked. I was going to say, how many lines did I actually go? But it, it was pretty short and to the point. Yeah, much like a lot of everything you say, short and to the point. Wow. It's not, nothing's offside on the Farwell and Pulp podcast. Shade. Okay, this podcast has gone on long enough. Our uh, live audience, Mike Moose Reeves, is still here. Moose, real quick, scale from 1 to 10. On Prior to the podcast, you said, what the heck is a podcast? I'm old. I don't even know what this is. Do people pay for it? They should. Sponsorship's still available. On a scale from 1 to 10, Moose, what do you give the first live Farwell and Pope podcast. Out of how much? Moose, scale from one to ten. <laughs> You're like Farwell and two line pass. He's having a nap right now, this guy. Scale from one to ten. Ten being perfect, uh, one being we should be ten, fired. Ten, 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 ten. Um maybe a seven or an eight. Maybe a seven or an eight. Uh, we did a good job. But I the two-line pass doesn't work. I think you want you want to be a bit more informative. I think we've got to get another name for it and get some more information on it. All right, we'll do better Good next job, time. Two-line two pass is here to stay. Tough break. Um, but we will be better with it as we move forward. It's something that we want to um, continue doing throughout the year to keep everybody updated on our beliefs um, of the 20 teams in this league. And we'll, we'll find some more things to talk about amongst those teams. We might stretch it out to a little bit longer, um, maybe four or five sentences. But I like the, the, the name two-line pass, but there's still plenty of things around the Ontario Hockey League with these teams that we may not give as much attention to on a weekly basis or even a monthly basis that we really believe that we probably could and should. Um, so it's something that we're going to keep going so we can uh, educate Ontario Hockey League fans just about everywhere. I think my lines and or sentences were just uh, run-ons. That's all there was to it. And I think this was our best podcast ever, despite what the uh, bus judges say. For more run-on sentences, make sure to read Mike's column this week.
in the Kitchener Post. You're, you're welcome. Thank you very much. Appreciate the plug. I'm Farwell. And I'm Pope. And that is the Farwell and Pope Podcast. That's a wrap on this edition of the Farwell and Pope Podcast. Your authority on everything around the OHL. Have a question or topic you'd like covered? Email mike at 570news.com. The Farwell and Pope Podcast originates from the 570 News studio in Kitchener. Hi, I'm Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.